did, but let's go to Romans chapter 14. I preached this last Sunday morning, the first part of this, and wanted to just continue the thought tonight and finish out the chapter. It's a lengthier portion than it was at the first half of the chapter, but picking up from verse 14 on through to the end. And so you can remain seated for this. Despite what Brother Schwanky says, I may even make a couple comments along the way, okay, through the reading. He was making fun of Brother McCracken for doing that so much, but that's all right if you're seated. So Romans chapter, uh, did I say 14? I meant 15. Sorry. Romans 15 and verse 14. Okay, so verse 14, I, and I myself also am persuaded of you, brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. And never having met them, he's impressed with their reputation. Verse 15 now. Nevertheless, brethren, I've written the more boldly unto you in some sort, as putting you in mind because of the grace that's given to me of God, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. I have, therefore, whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me, to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed, through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. He says, I don't want to say anything but that might bring glory to God. Verse 20, yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he hath not spoken of, they shall see, and they that have not heard shall understand. A quote from Isaiah there. And, um, and that's Paul's calling for his personal calling as kind of this pioneer apostle. For that, verse 22, sorry, for which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you. But now, having no more place in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come unto you, whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you. For I trust to see you in my journey and to be brought on my way thitherward by you. If first I be somewhat filled with your company. His home church was the church at Antioch and having been sent out of Antioch to be a church planting missionary, all through what he referenced there was uh, current day Albania and all the way up to Slovenia and everywhere in between, Croatia, that whole area up in there. That's Illyricum is what he referenced in verse number 19. He says, I've, I've preached everywhere and I go to the main cities and I try to plant churches so that they can be the ones that branch out and plant other churches out of this. And so I'm on my way to Spain and, and on my way I hope to come across you through Rome. But verse 25, but now... I go to Jerusalem to minister unto the saints. For it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jer Jerusalem. It hath pleased them verily, and their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles 
have been made partakers of spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. And so he's talking about finances and money and offerings and getting just real practical with them about this offering he's gathering. Verse 28, When therefore I have performed this and have sealed to you them this fruit, I will come by you into Spain, and I am sure that when I come unto you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake, and for the love of the Spirit, we see the whole Trinity right here in this verse. I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea, and that my service, which I have for Jerusalem, may be accepted of the saints, that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God and may with you be refreshed. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. We're not going to deal with every single one of these verses, but a general look at Paul's missionary journeys. And we're about halfway through the year and kind of just the timing of it brought us to this, this, uh, this portion of Romans chapter 4 as a little shot in the arm on a missions emphasis tonight. So let's pray. Our Father, we're thankful uh, for men of God like Paul who, who lived his life to give the gospel to others. And... For the missionaries that we get to support, it's such a privilege for those of us that live here in California to be able to have a touch in Nauru and to have a touch in Australia and to have a touch in Slovenia and in Japan and just the uttermost parts of the earth and everywhere in between. And it's kind of like it's happening all at the same time. And while we're asleep, there are those on the other side of the world who are ministering in the gospel, in some ways on our behalf, and coupled with us. And that's such a privilege to be, um, to be able to rub shoulders um, with missionaries and to be able to pray for them and to be able to contribute and give to them. And so help us to continue do our, to do our part. Let missions not just be something we emphasize at the beginning of the year, but all throughout the year as we focus on it, as we... Um, Think of our missionaries, and may tonight just be one more reminder to uh, stay on track with the entire year's commitments, if it's financial, and at least the prayers as well. And thank you for those who are serving out on the front lines and are doing the work of, of missions. We're just really, really grateful for them. Pray your blessing on them and your safety for them, your protection for them. Then help us as church members of Calvary Baptist Church to just stay constantly faithful in our duty as well. We thank you for that opportunity in Christ's name. Amen. Our young people are heading out in a couple weeks to summer camp. In summer camp, the part of the fun is the team games and the whole team spirit gets into it where it's usually red team against blue team. And man, all the games are out on the field and no one superhuman can take the show. It's all about the teamwork. And it's not just like, you know, one big strong guy can carry all the points on his back. But he has to rely on everybody doing their part and contributing in some way. And we look at teamwork as a valuable tool, as a valuable lesson for any of us to learn, whether it's in sports or whether it's in, uh, you know, even something as, as simple as farming. I was thinking about this and heard somebody reference, actually, Brother, Brother Sam Davison, who preached here back in February. He grew up in Oklahoma, and his 
man, it, his, his mouth just waters to get back to the beautiful, beautiful lands of Oklahoma. And I thought, what's so beautiful about that? And there's just something about being raised in Oklahoma where he says he can just look out at the fields of wheat. And it's just amazing to see that grow up through the years. And then harvest time, it's amazing to see those combines roll out. And, and just to hear him talk about the combines makes you excited. Even as a Southern California boy, I wanted to go be a farmer. You know, it was that exciting to think of, of these huge, huge tractors that could, I mean, they could pull up. Uh, a, a beam across the front of those tractors that's 16 feet wide and all the power, and they have them bigger than that even, but, but, but these combines and, and uh, Carrie's sister's husband is a, uh, is a farmer out there. They're all getting flooded out everywhere else. But uh, when they have crops that are growing, harvest time is like the busiest time of the year. And they say now that the, the combines are becoming like houses on wheels and they're so sophisticated and they're GPS driven and they're, uh, they're able to track every location. They're able to pinpoint the amount of fuel they're going to need. They're, they're able to do just be the most efficient machines possible. And so these combines that, that could hold a 16 foot beam across the front and harvest with one pass 16 feet of this field at a time and make turns together... Now they've figured out how to link up two of these combines together and two of them going side by side down these rows of wheat. And it's amazing what they can do when they, when they hook everything together, doing just a little research on it uh, a while back, that I would think that two 16-foot beams, 16 plus 16, I mean, I was homeschooled for a little while, but I know that equals 32. And I'm thinking, man, 16 plus 16 I ought to be able to do a 32-foot swath down these wheat fields. There's something about it. I don't understand the physics of it. I don't understand why one combine that could push 16 and another combine that could push another 16 feet together. I don't know how this works out, but somehow when they link those two together, it doesn't equal 32 feet. They get an extra eight feet out of it, and they can do a 40-foot swath of land. And they're pushing 40 feet down these, uh, uh, down these, these rows of wheat fields, and we think that's just amazing that alone... One of them can do a little bit, but when you link up together, we can do a lot more than just one plus one doesn't equal two anymore. And, and if you're talking about lifting weights or if you're talking about seeing how much weight you can lift on your own, for me, it's probably 10, 15 pounds or so. I'm lifting my weights and I'm all worn out. But if I get somebody else that can also lift 10 or 15 pounds, Brother Sean can probably lift... I don't know, seven or eight pounds at least, you know, and the two of us combining our strength, our great strength together, we can lift more together than we can either of us uh, can lift individually and adding it together. There's a term for that. Do you know the term for that? Some of you are saying it. Yeah, synergy, synergy. One plus one doesn't equal two anymore. One plus one equals three and four. The, the whole is more than the sum of the parts. The whole is more than just the sum of the individual parts that could, be, that could be contributing. That's what teamwork is all about. That's what being on a team is all about, is everybody joining their efforts together to contribute the little bit that they can do. And it's not this maverick mentality. It's not this, I'm the one carrying everything on my shoulders, but it's the value of help that comes alongside one another. And... and and it's almost like when we read about Paul and we think about Paul, being a missionary, we think of him as this solo maverick and he's going into these towns and he's planting churches 
and, and it's almost like he's doing all the work himself. But if you read his writings, he's not the one doing all the work himself. And he's not the one that is just this solo man that's out there saying, I can do this all on my own. See, Paul, yes, he is on journeys. He always has somebody with him. But everywhere he's going, he's in these synergistic relationships, these relationships that he is with somebody else, and they're doing the gospel work together. And then he has a church, and the church is behind him and praying for him and helping him along his way and continuing the work so that Paul can go off. He is the pioneer missionary. He's the one that's going into the town and planting churches and leading people to, to the Lord. But, but that's, man, that's the specific calling on his life. Verse 16 says, man, I just want to minister. I should be the minister of Jesus Christ. I just love to go and serve. And verse 19, through mighty signs and wonders, the power of the Spirit of God. So that, that from Jerusalem and round about unto Illyricum, I've fully preached the gospel of Christ. Everywhere I go and I plant a church and I go to the main hub, not that every person has ever heard the gospel, but he says, according to what God has called me to do, I have fully done my work. I've gone all the way up to Slovenia and up to Croatia, and I've gone all through these Eastern European countries, and I've gone through this whole area, and, and if it's not directly through me, then the word is spreading out through us. And, and, and all that area north of, of Greece and through here, through there, he says, he says, my work is to go do these things. And verse number 24, so, so northward, and he says, I'm heading down to Jerusalem, the, verse 24. Whensoever I take my journey into Spain, so he's already got his eyes over on Spain. He says, man, he's like a, like a pioneer, you know, he's, he's, he's heading that direction. He wants to head west. He wants to head into the sunset. I'm going towards Spain, toward the last frontier there. And so I trust to see you by my journey and to be brought on your way hitherward. Verse 25, but now I go to Jerusalem to minister unto the saints. Right now he's in Corinth right now. In verse 26, he mentions, I've already been through Macedonia and Achaia, and I've been collecting this offering. So it's like he's spreading the gospel everywhere. And, and he's mentioning every little location that he's been. And you, uh, you may have seen the article. There's a Babylon Bee, a satire um, uh, uh, website that takes different, different things from the Bible and makes them into jokes. And the last one from last week was archaeologists have uncovered the, the red dashed line that Paul followed on his missionary journeys, you know, because you see the dashed line in the back of your Bibles on the maps, and you see Paul's missionary journeys and all the drips that he took, and it's like they finally found his line. But he was constantly traveling around. He was constantly going everywhere. And we see, uh, uh, we see all these locations that Paul mentions. And it's like the heart behind Paul was saying that the gospel must be taken to everyone everywhere. The gospel must be preached to everyone, everywhere. That was his passion. That was what his whole life was about. But it's not like he was the Lone Ranger, like I said. Verse number 20. His whole life was about striving to preach the gospel. Verse 20 again. Yea, so I have strived to preach the gospel. Strived there is not like, well, I'm trying. I'm trying my hardest. No, we know that Paul didn't just try his hardest, but, but that he labored and he studied and, and, and he, um, he was fond of honor in the sense that he was uh, just making this my aim. Strive means this is my goal. This is my life's burning passion. And Paul says in verse 23, man, I want to come to you. Verse 
23, but now, having no more place in these parts, having a great desire these many years to come unto you, man, I can't wait to get to Rome. And when I'm on my way to Spain, I'll drop by Rome, definitely. His home church was Antioch. He was perhaps looking at Rome to be knowing that there was a solid church there. It was almost like he was looking to, uh, to, to plant out of Rome and launch into Spain, knowing that he couldn't reach all the way back to Antioch for further help and support and keeping up with them, almost looking toward Rome as the next uh, ascending church in some ways. And look at the timing of this and Paul looking everywhere. We think, well, what's he talking about? Well, for the next few verses, he talks about, talks about money. Verse number 24 that we were reading. Whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you, for I trust to see you in my journey, and to be brought on my way thitherward by you. Well, what's that talking about? It's talking about some financing. If, if first I be somewhat filled with your company. Filled with your company. And, and again, I, I just found the timing to be um, I think in God's sovereign design, he even leads in simple messages like this. That, that I thought I was just coming through Romans with the teens of faith. I just came to chapter 14. And uh, missions, in, in some ways, when we focus on it in January, what we don't want throughout the rest of the year is to just drop it and forget it as just a January thing. as just an emphasis that we do once a year. But halfway through the year... I, wanna, I, I wanted to kind of focus on this. Our teens are going to get a glimpse of this at camp where David Hetzer is going to be our preacher. He's preached our preaching rally before. He planted the North Hills Baptist Church down in San Marcos, and we've been connected with him for years and years. He's preaching our camp this year, but he just surrendered. He was pastoring in Idaho, just surrendered to go to Sri Lanka as a missionary. And hearing from other pastors and other churches and other youth camps that he has preached at since then, it's just like, boy, just the, the Spirit of God through that man, through his, through his complete surrender to God, giving up a, 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 just a great ministry there in Idaho. He had family that helped with his two extremely special needs kids. I mean, they just need 24-hour uh, hands-on help. And now to see him, him surrender what seemed like the, the, the greatest job a pastor could have close to family, to see him surrender and go to Sri Lanka, you think, boy, there, God must be in this. This would not be a man's choice. And to be able for our teens to hear from a missionary like that who's giving his life on the field like that, I can't wait for them to hear about that. And I, I want for them and I want for us as a church for missions to not just be a passing fad, not just be this thing that we emphasize once a year, but that, but that our heart is what Paul's heart is, that the gospel must be spread to everyone, everywhere. Everywhere we go and everywhere uh, uh, our church supports, that's what we want. But what that takes is some financing. In verse number 25, now I go to Jerusalem to minister unto the saints, for it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. Paul probably had a group that traveled with him. This is referenced in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. So going church to church, he would collect the funds. He would collect the funds that they had been gathering, their faith promised missions. 
knowing that Paul was coming through that area, they had been setting aside a little by little every single week to not just support their home church in this poor region of Macedonia, but knowing that the people in Jerusalem were under persecution and that the, the rich church members had already sold their homes and distributed the goods. And it's almost like everything in Jerusalem is destitute and needy. And he's saying, I'm collecting this money. And, and the people of Macedonia and Achaia are happy to contribute to this. And now he's asking the same of Rome. We say this missions work is kind of, I mean, it just takes money to start these churches. And it takes financing and travel to uh, carry the missionaries along. And that's why we give them an offering of money every single week. And that's what faith promises about is laying aside money every single week. And it's not a bad thing, verse 27. It's not like they're giving grudgingly. Look at verse 27. It hath pleased them verily, truly. And their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles have been made partakers of spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. And, and, and it's almost like verse 26 says it too. For it hath pleased them. Verse 27, it hath pleased them verily, like truly. I'm not, I'm not lying to you. This is a joy for them to be able to contribute to this offering. This is a wonderful pleasure to be able to give. Because what, they, what he says is it's almost like they feel indebted to them. From Jerusalem, Jerusalem was like the hub of the gospel. And from Jerusalem, the gospel spread throughout the whole world. And it's like, it's like the people of Macedonia and Achaia understand that, man, if it weren't for Jerusalem, if it weren't for those Jews who were so passionate about spreading the gospel all the way up to these people they'll never meet and never see, if the people of Jerusalem weren't, weren't excited about spreading the gospel around, we would have never been saved. And it's like we feel indebted to those people at Jerusalem. They're like our forefathers in the faith. They got saved, but they didn't hoard it to themselves. They spread it all over as far as they could reach. And, and Paul says, boy, those Christians in Macedonia and Achaia, it pleased them. It pleased them verily, pleased them truly to want to contribute to them. This is a joy to them. And so on my way to Spain, Paul says, I'm on my way to Rome, and I hope when I get to Rome, you're able to help me financially to kind of launch out on my way to Spain. And that's just kind of the way that this life is going to work. It just takes a little bit of money. Um, I mentioned the Dave Ramsey course, and that's not a, it's not a pitch. We don't get anything out of it as a church. But, but I think if Christians can be the most financially stable and the most financially literate of people, I think what they can do with their money, if they can affect eternal things like what Paul is talking about, that's the real goal of being wise with our finances. And, and although the, what the church did in the early church, in Jerusalem especially, where it's almost like, boy, are they being communists where they're selling their homes and they're putting it all in the pot and then the apostles are distributing it. Sometimes we'll read things in Scripture and we think, am I, am I supposed to do that too? And sometimes just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean it's mandated in the Bible. And I don't believe that what they did in Acts was this mentality that, that we've, we've, you know, every Christian everywhere is supposed to sell their home and give up everything and turn it over to the church. I don't think that's, I don't think that's what Scripture teaches. I think there is a sort of wisdom that, uh, that is talked about, man, even just being wise with your finances today with the day-to-day -day budget. But I believe there's even a long-term wisdom. I wrote about it in the teens' uh, faith update that we mailed to the parents of the teenagers. And just talking about finances of, of 
that, that, that I want to be, be so long-term with my finances, where I want to be generous right now, but I also want to be wise with my finances to be able to contribute for longer than, than just, just the, the minimum of giving right now. I want to be able to use my money, and especially in this economy we live in, I think there's, there's an opening for being wise with our money for, I'm talking, 30 and 40 years down the future. And being a wealthy Christian is not out of the ordinary. If it weren't for the wealthy Christians that Paul ran into along his journey, then they wouldn't have been able to have churches. Many times the early churches were meeting in wealthy Christians' homes. He wrote a book to one of the wealthiest Christians by the name of Philemon. Had servants of his own, had a, probably a, a church that was meeting in his home. We're talking about uh, business people and we're talking about uh, businessmen and women who were very, very wealthy people. And, and never condemned because of their wealth. So I think there's wisdom in that. Um, and again, that's, this Dave Ramsey course is just about trying to think of your, your money spiritually, saying, what can I do to invest my money now that's going to pay off in the future? And, and I've tried to instill that even in my own kids. We have a give and a save and a spend bucket that if they do their chores, they put a little bit of money into that and give to the church and save some for later, and then they can spend some. And it's this mentality we're trying to build into them. And even then the teenagers, I challenge them with compound interest. You know, I have investments of whatever, 11 12%. The rule of thumb is that your money's going to double every seven years. I started it about seven years ago, and the money has doubled. And, and I thought, hey, if this keeps going for the next 20, 30 years, then then we'll be okay. I'll be able to support a lot more missionaries than I am right now if I just sit on this and wait on this. And I believe that that's a, that, that that's a wise um, uh, use of money. Many of you have done that, and you contributed years ago when you were younger, and right now you're to the point of saying, you know what, because of some, some wise principles that my parents instilled in me, uh, then, then I'll be okay, not just to support myself, but to be able to contribute in a different kind of way. And sometimes as Christians, though, it's almost like we hear, we, we hear things like that, and, and yet we hear about faith, and, and am I not living by faith? If I, if I store up any amount of money, am I allowed to pay my house off? Should I, should I, have, should I have given more to missions? Should I have given more to uh, tithe? And, and there is this balance as Christians where it's saying, how much is too much? How much is not living by faith? How much is hoarding? How much is saving? And how much is faith? But I believe what Paul is talking about is saying, look, it just takes means. It takes means to carry these missionaries along the way. They sometimes have needs. You sometimes have needs. Sometimes you have uh, an abundance that God has blessed you with. And uh, sometimes you can contribute. And this Christian life is all about giving and receiving graciously. What he's saying is, man, these missionaries and the, the, the people like me, he says, these missionaries that are on their journey and, and these, these people in need back in Jerusalem, it's going to take some finances. And yet all of us working together on this, um, that's what our missions dollars go to. If you've allowed your missions commitment to kind of sag or lag any bit since, since January, maybe you just need to hear one more time again halfway through the year that you're saying, you know what, I just, I needed to be encouraged that I, I wasn't sure where my missions dollars are going, but maybe I should, maybe I should keep them going along the way as well. But finances is only part of it, that's obvious. Look down at verse number 30, though. Now I beseech you, brethren, verse 30, 
for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake, for the love of the Spirit, that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. I'm, I'm begging you. Yes, we need finances, and yes, people are happy to give, and the finances are part of missions, but boy, verse 30, that ye strive together with me in your prayers. The word striving there, it, it's, it's a different Greek word than the other verse that had the word striving in it. This word is in Greek is agonizomai, agonize, soon agonizomai, not just money, but, but strive together, like agonize together with me in prayer, Paul says. I want, you to, I want you to feel what I'm feeling. I want you to understand that this is not just a journey I'm taking on my own. It's not just a vacation. It's not just a travel destination. This is the agony of the church work, and I want you to agonize with me in prayer. I want you to be right there with me on the mission field as I'm trying to witness to these Romanians, as I'm trying to witness to these in New York City who don't want to hear it, as I'm trying to witness to these in Los Angeles, as I'm trying to mend broken homes in 29 Palms with, with uh, uh, these Marines who have shattered their marriages already and they're 23 years old. I want you to agonize with me over this building in Washington, D.C. that costs $5 million and they're about to tear it down. I want you to agonize with me over over the Venezuelan people who on, on, uh, on average have lost 27 pounds because there's no food in the country. I want you to agonize with me in prayer for the work of the ministry. That's what Paul is saying. This principle of synergy is applied more broadly than just finances. This principle of synergy, of working together with our missionaries, of working together with missions is so much more than that. Sure, this text is about money, but he says, man, I want you to agonize together. I want you to strive together with me in this gospel. Been called by God to, uh, to, to make some changes in your life. You know what, what Paul is saying is, look, I, I, I need some help. And whatever it is, I just want to be completely surrendered to God. If you have a young person that goes off to camp this this next week, don't hoard them, don't hold on to them so strongly that, that they are under your control for your whole life. Imagine if they get called to be a church planting missionary. And how precious would that be if your young person could go away to Sri Lanka? Would you be willing for that or would you say, oh, but I don't really have a heart for that. I have such a future planned out. I have so many things I want them to do. What Paul is saying is like, look, give, give up your own plans for yourself, for your kids, and, and let's, let's strive together for the work of the gospel, for the things that matter the most, for the things that are most important in our life. I say if the, if, if the voices you hear at church from a youth pastor or from an associate pastor, from a pastor, are not those voices that are encouraging your young people to give their lives to God, then where else are they going to hear that? If the pastor is not going to be the one that is the voice that says young people ought to be giving their lives to missions, they ought to be going and they ought to be surrendering to the mission field. If you're scared of that kind of a message, then what you're scared of is surrender to God. This is not a message from a pastor. This is not a... a, a a, a man-called thing. This is a God thing. The work of the gospel takes so much more uh, uh, than any one man can do. What he's saying is, man, this is, this is, a, this is a, a gospel work. My best friend, John Landy, he's been the Heartland, students, the Heartland Singles Director at Heartland 
overseeing three or four hundred Heartland students every single year. Those single students that go to Heartland, and he's been there, I think, nine years, maybe 10, 11 years. For the past few years, he's been taking missions trips to Sri Lanka, uh, visiting Brother Unru, a missionary that's been there for 30-plus years, and has been carving out, I think he's carved out eight or ten works and several mission, missions out, out of his churches that he's been able to establish. And, and we're talking about Sri Lanka being, according to them, a hotbed of devil worship. I mean, we're talking about one of some of the, the hottest areas of where the devil concentrates his workers and his followers is Sri Lanka. We're talking about um, uh, John Landy and Dave Hetzer both just within the past year have surrendered to go to Sri Lanka and are going to be going on deputation. Brother John Landy is going to be preaching the preaching rally this coming year. Brother Dave Hetzer is going to be preaching our camp this year and our young people will get a big dose of the, the, the theme of surrendering to God for their lives. And I want that. I want that so badly for them. And you think, man, I don't know if I, I should do that. But they're going straight into regions that have never known Christ. And, and what we need to do is, is not dismiss them or discount them or think that's not for me or, or, or even just ignore them. That's almost the greatest insult is to just go throughout our day and not even think about them. But what Paul is saying is, man, I want you beside me. I want you striving together with me. And yes, if you can't come, there, there is a voice that is saying come, but if you can't come, at least pray. At least pray, strive together with me in prayer. And, and there's these men, some of my friends, many of my friends who are saying, you know what, if, if nobody else will go, I'll go, at least I'll contribute, I'll do something. If you'll pray for me, if you'll stay here in America, if you'll keep Calvary Baptist Church going strong, and if you'll teach your people to give and let us be able to go and live in Sri Lanka without being able to work a job there, but, but missions work is about sending missionaries to areas that they have basically otherwise no business being. But being able to receive funding from America and from the churches just like ours who are, who are sending them money every single week to, look, go be a light there in Sri Lanka. Go be a witness there in Sri Lanka. Adam McGeorge, it's a, um, he graduated Heartland just ahead of me, I think maybe with my brother, maybe overlapped a couple years with my sister. Our church has supported them on the island of Nauru for the past, uh, he's been there probably 10, 15 years already. The third smallest nation in the world, 11,000 people, eight square miles, about a four foot by two foot oval uh, little island that's out there. They go out and fish for their income. And they're trying to carve out a little Baptist church there on this tiny little island of 11,000 people. Everyone kind of basically knows everyone in their little village, and they bring in barracuda and sailfish and tuna. And we look at their updates on Facebook, and we think, that's, that's amazing what they're doing. And I want to contribute. I want to help them. I want to support them. And I want to pray for them. I want my kids to pray for them. And I want them to constantly have the missionaries in front of their, in front of their mind all the time. In a couple of weeks, we're going to have Brother Kyle and Annie Sheridan, Brother uh, uh, Annie's dad pastors the Central Baptist Church up in Pomona. They're sent out of Central Baptist in Pomona, and we've been supporting them probably about four or six years now or so. And uh, a, a guy about my age, just a guy that went down to Patagonia, just going to uh, uh, just the mountainous region, this beautiful, beautiful area. You see the uh, you see the pictures of their front yard and their village and their little city, and it's like, boy, this is what postcards are made of. It's gorgeous. 
You know, what they're trying to do through their radio program is reach people for Christ. And he'll be here in a couple weeks, give us an update and preach for us. But I want to I strive together with Brother Sheridan. And, and I want to love those Chilean people the way he loves them. And I want to pray for them, not just in a quick passing, God bless Brother Sheridan and hope he's okay and everything's going okay. I want to keep up with them and watch their videos and read their missionary letters and strive together with them in prayer. And I want to keep up my finances so that he can stay on the field. Brother Brad Wells, whom we visited back on spring break, church planner in, in Washington, D.C., they're agonizing over a church building right across the street, this old synagogue that has been vacant for years. It was just up on the block for uh, somebody proposed to the city to tear the building down. They have a million dollars somebody gave them, and it's a $5 million building. He offered a million bucks, and they were just praying. They were praying. At least they got it to where the, the, the city is no longer going to demolish the building. That's just as of a couple weeks ago, I believe, as a result of prayer. People agonizing, those of us that went on the trip, seeing the building and standing outside the building and praying together outside of that building and just asking God, God, don't tear this building down. Can you give this? What if they didn't even have to spend the million dollars? What if somebody gave this building to the Graceway Baptist Church? How incredible would that be? But it's not just, God bless Brad Wells, and I pray that he does, you know. But it's actually seeing him and his family and his, and, and his desire to bring his son on staff. And we were praying for him with a, a, a little pamphlet that Abe brought home from Master Clubs. I appreciate Master Clubs. I appreciate Wednesday night services that emphasize missionaries every single Sunday that keep missions in front of us. And the Master Clubs, that gives them something to pray for. And so it gives you a missionary, and every day for that week, you'll fill out five different things that you prayed for for the missionary. And so knowing the missionary, it's like we were agonizing with him over Washington, D.C., and praying for the heart of our country. When they meet on Saturday nights on the steps of the Supreme Court, just in between the Supreme Court and the Capitol building of the United States, where basically all the decisions for America are made in between those two buildings, and praying for, praying for our nation every single Saturday night. We look at something like that and think that is the gospel work we can do in California at the same time he's trying to do work there, and that's our job. That's what we're to do. That's who are, we're to be as, as Christians. I mentioned Pastor Clint Minnick, who's over in 29 Palms. He loses probably 50 families every single year because of, of the turnover there at the base. Gets them saved, gets some disciples, and then they get orders and they get shipped off somewhere else. Gets another group saved and orders and shipped off over, uh, over somewhere else. You read his updates on Facebook or his missionary letters, you think he's doing a hard work, he's doing a great job, I love what he's doing. But I want to pray for him in an intelligent way and in a way that like feels what he's feeling. I know I can't be there, but I can, but I can pray for him um, like that, basically discipling these young guys every single day. Our church donated to them for Christmas. You brought gifts to give to their kids, and they, I brought a carload of gifts to them, and it was just precious to be able to contribute financially to them and to pray for them and to keep on praying for them. Those are just a few examples of the thousands of missionaries and dozens and scores of missionaries that we support. Every one of them has a burden for their city and for their country and for their state. And they want to see churches being planted everywhere. And that's Paul's heart. And what he's saying is, look, Christians, that should be all our heart. This mission's heart that we want to, that we want to agonize in prayer and that we want to contribute um, is, is this idea that prayer is just looking at God 
for who he is. We learned about that in our Sunday school class this morning. And then asking God in thanksgiving and acting on my prayers and empathizing with these people that we're praying for. Not just listing off, not just rattling off a list of names, but actually, actually agonizing in prayer over them, in humility. And, and it's like what Paul is saying is, man, I'm a combine and I've got a 16-foot rig on the front. But you're a combine too. And if we link up together, we can do more than 32 feet. We can do 40 feet. And then if another church gets on board and we're really all agonizing in prayer over this and we're, we're striving together for this, for this gospel, then can you just imagine, can you just imagine? It's no wonder that the whole world was turned upside down based on a few men who gave themselves fully and completely to God. Let's do that as a church. Stand if you would. That's our, our call to remain faithful to missions and our maybe call to surrender to missions. Whatever it is, the question is, is you're all on the altar? We're going to sing 476 as an invitation song tonight. I don't know that my finances have been on the altar. I don't know that my prayers have been on the altar. I don't know if I really have agonized. I kind of mention the missionaries every now and then, but boy, I, I really need to, to take them seriously, and I need to be more faithful in my prayers for the missionaries. Maybe it's just as simple as just re, reviving your, the spark. Maybe you already have something that is, is set every single month. You donate to missions, and you give to that, but maybe it's just saying, you know what, God, would you, would you help me to stay on fire for our missionaries? Give me a heart for Temecula and Marietta. All at the same time, give me a heart for Romania and New York City and all of these all at the same time. And so the-